You are listening to the Parkview Church Podcast. To learn more about Parkview Church, including our gathering times in Palm Coast, Florida, visit us online at parkviewlife.com. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to uh, John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. Um, we've been in a series that will not only, when practiced, transform our life, but when practiced, it will have a massive impact on the world around us. We've been in this series looking at the one another commands of Scripture. Understanding that this series is not something that can be lived out in the row. This is a series that goes to the streets. This is where we recognize that what we've been talking about in our preaching, we've got to live out in our practicing. We've got to go from theory to experience and watch these one another commands only transform us but impact the world. We've looked at uh, bear one another's burdens. Last week, we looked at forgive one another. And this week, we're going to talk about the command in Scripture to love one another. And I feel like when I say we're going to talk about love one another, your response might have been the same that I had, even as I just glanced at the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. And I think I'm well aware that Scripture says to love one another. But do we really do that? One author said, love one another and you'll be happy. It's as simple and as difficult as that. When Jesus, who is God in skin, shows up on the face of the earth, one of his focal points in his teaching was that we would not just embrace love as merely a feeling or some sort of sentiment, but rather he would lay it forth before us as a divine commandment that he would emphasize over and over again during his earthly ministry. John chapter number 13, if you have your Bible, we'll be looking at a couple passages in John and then spend a little bit of time in Luke as well. John 13 and verse number 34 it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So really encapsulated in this verse is both sides of the coin to God's love. That is, that we are to fully embrace the love of God to us while fully extending or embodying the love of God to others. He's like, hey, I love you and I want you to embrace that. Some of you in here actually struggle with feeling like or believing that God could ever love you fully. I'm sorry that you feel that way. My heart hurts for you. I also know what is typically the number one barrier or blockage to receiving the love of God. 
a lot of times it is hard to grasp your heavenly father's love for you if you had gaping holes in your earthly father's love for you now many of you i'm super proud of because you've worked through that dad wound to understand that the heavenly father doesn't love like an earthly father but the one thing that christ was saying is like hey you you have to understand that we love you and and we are to embrace the love of god but then we are to embody that to others we are to extend it remember these one another commands are not just things that flow to us but they must flow through us he doesn't just forgive us we must forgive others and until we understand the gospel of forgiveness that we have received we really will never understand what it means to really extend that and the same is true with love until we first know our father's love for us it's really hard to love others in similar feel and fashion now christ was god in skin and now we must extend the love of jesus in our skin to others what we receive from him we must radically share with the world around us now to totally understand what this divine commandment to love one another is and to totally understand what it means to receive the love of god and then give that love away we must we must recognize that the love of God is rooted and grounded in his very nature. Now, this may be a concept that could be a little difficult to grab a hold of, so I'll try and unpack it a little bit for us. But 1 John 4, 8 is the theological foundation of this. It says, anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. God is love. It's not just you know an attribute of his it's the essence of who he is one of the things that i love about living in flagler county is the utter melting pot of this place you know i've always said like in the 25 plus years here i've said nobody's from here every once in a while now we've been here so long that every once in a while we meet somebody from here but it's rare we we come from all over the place and I just love that our church is a, is a reflection of that amalgamation. Like, I love the fact that it's young, it's old, it's rich, it's poor, it's black, it's white. It's the sundry different colors and, and, and shapes and languages and dialects and um, uh, not just dialects, but um, almost like, I don't know, you just have that, you have that, like your voice betrays you, like where you've come from. Like, I love the accent. I love the people that come from Maine and are a part of our church. I, I, I talk to you just so I can hear you speak. I mean, really just love that about you. And then, like, you know, a few minutes later, you'll talk to somebody that's from, like, deep part of North Carolina. And see, I'm from right in the middle, so that means I speak ver perfect, you know, accent. So being from Delaware, I'm, mine's, like, normal. Um... But could you imagine, though, could you imagine going to Maine and while in Maine going in a gas station and somebody who was born, raised, bred, lived their whole life in Maine, you go in and they wait on you, and could you imagine them breaking out with a deep woods North Carolina accent? I mean, you're like, Pastor, there is no way. That's where they're from. They're not going to sound like somebody from North Carolina. They're going to sound like somebody from Maine. Well, you're not going to go to North Carolina in a gas station and get, you know, a, a, a Maine accent. It's because, of, but, but, but that much and more, the very nature and essence of God is love. That's just who he is. 
That's where he's come from. That's how he acts towards us. That's a part of his culture of heaven. It's a part of the DNA and the essence and the, 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 the way that he just comes to us out of who he is. It's not just an attribute. It's, 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 it's deep down. It's the essence of him. It is that he loves us so much. And so when we're asked to receive the love of God, we know that this is something that God is. And by the way, God's love is not just his essence, but it is also his expression. Try to wrap your mind with me around this. Five and eight of Romans. But God shows his love to us in that while we were still perfect, without any flaws, wonderful, glorious human beings, without any need, Christ died for us. No, friend, Jesus Christ not only has the essence of his nature as love, but the expression of who he is. He showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, God sent his son and his son gave his life. And we must fully embrace this love of God so that we can then embody this love of God to the world around us. Oftentimes when I use an illustration that includes Denise, I try and um, get her permission. Um, but she's been away the last couple of days. And um, <laughs> so I felt like I probably had a little more licensure or liberty. Denise and I met when we were, when we were teenagers. Um, I had just graduated from high school. I was 17, getting ready to turn 18. So we met at the age of 17 and 18, and we would marry three years later. It's hard to believe now. I, I honestly, I, I, I had to ponder it this week that I actually got married at the age of 20. And it seems so normal then. Like, I'm like, what in the world were our parents even thinking? Like, that? I mean, we just must have just been like, and they were like, well, they're going to get married anyway, so let's let them do it. But I look back on our relationship and... I don't know if anybody else in this room has this experience. But there's a unique piece to our love story. And I don't remember how long in we were. I, I would guess somewhere around the year mark. But about a year in, Denise told me first that she loved me. Now, in just the way that I grew up, I thought the guy would say it first. But Denise said it first. And I mean, I mean, you can probably figure out why she did. But I mean, it's just... Okay, yeah, the opposite is true. No, let me tell you, let me tell you why she said it first. And I'm going to be, let me just be transparent with you for a moment. I'm going to tell you why she said, I love you first. And this comes from the depth of my soul because I utterly feared rejection. And I couldn't say it. Because I thought to myself, the worst day of my life to this point would be saying to her, I love you, and her looking at me and saying, thanks. <laughs> or, okay. I so bad wanted to tell her that I loved her and I did love her and I knew I loved her but I was 
fear-stricken that if I said it, she would not say it back. And so I just couldn't even let myself go there until she said it. Friend, the beautiful thing about the love of God is you do not have to live in one nanosecond's worth of fear about him rejecting you. The beautiful thing about the love of God is there is no possibility of rejection. See, the devil wants you to think that you are unworthy and undesirable and unappreciated and unlovable. But I am telling you that God loves you perfectly. He loves you like you were the first one. He loves you like you were the last one. He loves you like you were the only one. God loved you yesterday. He loves you today. He will love you tomorrow. There is nothing that you can do to get God to love you anymore, and there's nothing that you can do to get God to love you any less. That Jesus Christ's love was prophesied to you. It was promised to you. It is perfect to you, and it is powerful in your life. And today, my friend, you cannot run from the love of God. You cannot escape the love of God you cannot hide from the love of God because wherever you go God is there and when God is there he brings all of himself in that moment and every piece and every part and every parcel of him is present in your life and when he shows up he shows up with his love because it is the essence of his nature he loves you completely he loves you totally and he loves you finally and the blessing is when we think about the does God really love us? Friend, there's no possibility of rejection. That's the beauty of God's love. And so many of us have loved or have lived in fear of being rejected or have lived under the oppression of having been rejected. And yet never one time did it even cross the mind of God in eternity past or would it ever cross his mind in eternity future to do anything other than absolutely, completely, and totally love you and I. We build our entire faith system on the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him doesn't perish but has everlasting life friend god's love is not merely an attribute but it defines his essence and so therefore as christ followers we are called to embrace the love of god and then embody the love of god back to others now there admittedly even though god's love is perfect when you and i try and live out that love there are some challenges to it very much so I mean, the command to love one another seems simple in theory. You're like, yeah, 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 I got it. I understand it. It seems simple in theory, but the, the reality of it is it can be very hard to put the love of God into practice. We live in a broken and a fallen world where selfishness and pride and anger and prejudice often hinder our ability to love unconditionally. Now, sometimes it's easy to love people, but other times it's hard to love people. Okay, so sometimes it's easy to love people. Now, I don't know how you go shopping, but I want to tell you a little bit about how I go shopping. So when I go to the store, I already know when I walk in the store, I'm going to have conversations with total strangers. In fact, I'm planning on it. I'm looking forward to it. 
And I know that when I get in the store, in order to have a conversation with me, all you have to do is look at me. If you make eye contact with me, we're good. We're friends. Seems like you know me. I should get to know you. We're going to have a conversation. Now, others of you, when you go into a store, nothing would make you happier than if no human being speaks to you. You love the self-checkout system. You love, you know, you time it at night. You go early in the morning. You, you put headphones on. You put a hat on. You pull your hoodie over the hat and the headphones. and You keep your eyes down, and you don't want to talk to anybody. And I get it. That's just the way that you're wired, and it's beautiful. It really is. It fits you. you you're at home like that. But not me. I, when I go into a store, I just want to talk to people. So the odd uh, in Sam's Club, and it was, it was last Sunday night. In fact, it was the crowd, most crowded I've ever seen in Sam's Club. And I was like, this is perfect. So I ain't going to Sam's Club, and I'm just looking for somebody to make eye contact with, and I'm going to strike up a conversation. So I'm not in there very long, and this dude who's probably in his 30s, maybe early 40s, he just looks at me. And so I just looked at him, and I said, this is exactly what I said to him. I said, did you really come here intending to buy all that? And I just laughed. His cart was so full. I mean, the rack under it was full. The basket was full. The edges had, like, things hanging over it. Like, like he, like, split, like, Gatorade bottles down the middle around the edge to form a perimeter and, and be able to stack on top of it. I mean, it was an impressive work of art. And I just had to say, did you really intend to buy all that? He said, every other week between six and 900 bucks. And I didn't ask him what he does for a living, if it's having kids, I don't know, I'm not really sure. It didn't look like it was a restaurant buy, although I know a lot of that happens in there. But like, I was like, God bless you, buddy. Yeah, it's like six to 900 bucks every other week. I'm like, wow. And so we just kind of chatted it up for just a moment. And it just filled my cup because like, I'm looking to talk to people. I enjoy engaging with people. Some people are just easy to love. Now, other times it's hard to love people. I don't know about you what subgroup or category you find hard to love, but I know what my number one category of hard to love people. Without question, I know exactly the hardest group in the world to love. Telemarketers. <laughs> I just have a really hard time when you're interrupting my life. So this week, I've, I like look at my voicemails like once a month. So it is the 21st century. Please text me. Um, so I don't look at my voicemails all that often, but I looked at my voicemails and I listened to it and it was a somewhat lengthy voicemail and I understood two things in the entire voicemail, American Express and the phone number. I had no idea what the lady's name was. I listened to it. I turned it all the way up. I put it on speakerphone. I had a friend listen to it. Do you understand this? You can't understand her name. You can't understand what she's calling for. Just American Express and a number. So I call. Well, I have an American Express card. So I'm like, I... And actually, it had expired. And I didn't know it expired. And lo and behold, did you know that some stores will take your expired American Express card? but others won't, so now I'm really frustrated about that whole experience. So I finally like called and ordered a card about a week and a half ago. So I called the American Express number, and uh, the guy answers the phone. I tell him what I'm calling for. He's like, oh, that's the other department. Let me put you through. I'm like, I just called the number you told me to call. Now you got to transfer me. So they transfer me. And so I'm going through this 
whole rigmarole. I'm returning the call. I don't know what the lady said. I don't know her name. So this lady's kind of, you know, okay, give me your, you know, give me your four-digit PIN that's your security code. Give me your social security number. You know, all these kind of things. And, and then she says, um, so you're saying that you ordered a card. I said, yes, ma'am, I ordered a card. She said, yeah, it's showing that you ordered it on the 23rd and you should get it the 1st of September. I said, ma'am, hold on a second. Today's the 25th. I said, I ordered it like a week and a half ago. She said, well, my notes say, she said, well, what address did you have it mailed to? And so I told her the address, and as soon as I said the address, click, and nobody was on the other end of the line. And I, I kind of had a moment of panic because I'm like, I just gave my social security number, I gave my password, I gave my address, and none of this is making sense. So I go and I get my American Express card that is expired, and I grab it and I call the number off of it. Meanwhile, I got a friend Googling American Express numbers, and he said, look, there's a bunch of them on here, but none of them's that number. So then I call American Express, and I get a lady on the phone, and I kind of explain to her the story, and she's like, well, let me look in your notes. And she said, um, there's no notes in here. She said, all of our callers have notes, and there's no notes in here. And I'm like, oh. So I'm going through this whole thing, and I'm like, okay, so here's, she said, well, did you get your card? I was like, I don't know, ma'am. I haven't checked the mail like all week. And she's like, well, can you go check your mail real quick? And I'm thinking to myself, my mailbox is about 200 yards away. I got my granddaughter. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of, I said, sure, I can go. So I grab Addie, grab the cell phone, walking down the, the road, go to the mailbox. It is utterly full of mail. I, I mean, it's chock full of mail. So now I got an arm full of mail. I got the cell phone between my ear and my shoulder and my two-year-old granddaughter, and I'm, and I'm trying to thumb through everything. And I've gone through every single envelope, and I'm like, ma'am, I don't see it until I get to the last one. And then about that time, the phone falls out on the ground. I got to put my granddaughter down. The mail's falling everywhere. I get to, so I finally get back to the house. I open it up, and she's like, all right, let me activate it, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, cool. So, but that doesn't solve the problem that I got because I just gave my whole life away to somebody in Bangladesh or something, you know. So, I don't know what to do. So, then I thought, I'm going to call that number back again. So I call the number back, and the guy gets on the phone, and he tells me that this American Express, he tells me his name is Jim. Okay, this guy is not Jim. He doesn't sound like Jim. He doesn't act like Jim. He's not Jim. I've met Jims. This guy's not Jim. So I'm like, all right, listen. I said, and I don't know what to tell him. I'm like, uh, I think I'm scammed, but I'm not really sure, and it's this number, and what's, what good does that? I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know what even to say to this guy. So we go through this whole process. I cannot hardly understand a word he says. So finally, after being on the phone for a while with him, which I got disconnected once. So now I've, I've gotten a voicemail I don't understand. I called and got transferred to another department. That, you know, they went through a whole rigmarole. I got disconnected. Now I'm got disconnected again. I've got to call him back. So, I, so, so, so finally, Jim's on the phone again. I got him. I'm like, hey, so you know kind of what's going on and and so we walk this whole i can't understand hardly anything but i but then he says in the in the call he says something about it's the only words i can understand he says something about joseph ludwikowski i'm like what he said joseph ludwikowski like asking for access to your american express account i'm like joe ludwikowski he's a new employee that we got and 
like, is he trying to get an American Express card? And like, then I realize, like, what in the world is going on? This is totally separate from the fact that I lost my personal card. I forgot that the church has had an American Express account for like 16 years. I don't have an American Express card, but apparently other employees do, so I don't know how that works around here. But like, you can get an American Express card, and I know it's a low limit. And they, uh, but anyway, I don't, I, so I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, do you give permission to Joe, Joe Ludwikowski to access American Express to get card? I, I said, sir. Jim, I, this is not your fault, but listen to me. Jim, I have spent the last two hours on the phone with American Express. Jim, I am the CEO of the organization. Can you guys not call, like I didn't want to say pastor because CEO just sounded better. I'm like, I'm the CEO of the organization. Can you not call HR? Can you not call finance? Like Jim, I refuse to give you any more information. Call HR on Monday. This is ridiculous. Click and hang up the phone. If you're in Sam's Club and you're nice, I love you. But if you're trying to be Jim from Bangladesh on the phone and I think you're scamming me, it's hard to love you. <laughs> and by the way, there are funny instances of when it's hard to love people. But the rubber meets the road when it's hard to love your spouse. And you might be in that season. It's a tough season when it's hard to love your kids. It stinks when it's hard to love your coworkers. What do you do with a crotchety neighbor? I mean, it's hard to love people. And I know we said, hey, love one another. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I got that. No, I, I understand that we know it in theory, but what about when it's somebody that's hard to love? Not when it's somebody easy to love. What about when it's somebody that's hard to love? See, we must remember that God's love is not limited by human shortcomings. His love is boundless and can empower us to overcome these challenges when we surrender to His will. John chapter 15 and verse number 9 says, And the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in it. And when we abide in the love of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then that love has the power to transform lives, to heal wounds, and to bring unity where there has been division. When we love one another, we reflect the, the character of God, and we honor the faith that we have placed in Him, and we are able to become instruments of His grace and mercy. And love enables us to see beyond our differences and embrace the inherent worth and dignity of other people who are not like us, regardless of their backgrounds or their beliefs. In week number one, we said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we said what the law of Christ is. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you bear one another's burdens, you love your neighbor as yourself. And so we must fully, friend, we must fully embrace the love of God to us so that we can fully embody the love of God to others. D.A. Carson gave this quote, and it's very similar to the one I shared last week from Corey Ten Boom, but D.A. Carson said, the command to love one another is not an invitation to feel affection. It is a command to act in a certain way. I would almost say we don't have time to read it, but it's too good to pass up. Let's go to the 10th chapter of Luke quickly. 
I want to read one, one passage, one story, and we'll conclude with this. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. You know the story. You, you, you've heard it. You probably try and live by it. Luke 10, verse 25, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, with all, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. And by the way, if you were to do that and keep the royal commandment, the first commandment, the new commandment, the commandment that Christ gives to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, if you did that without fail, there's no need for Jesus, friend. So he says, you want to inherit eternal life? Go live that perfectly, without, without flaw, without error. The reason Jesus came is because we can't. Doesn't mean we don't try. Just means we can't. So Jesus says, goes on, he says, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And, and by the way, so to me, he's trying to figure out, to the, the lawyer getting, trying to trap Jesus, like, so who's my neighbor? He's trying to put a limit on this puppy. Like, you can't mean everybody, so like, just tell me who my neighbor is. Let me box this in. He's putting a limit on it, and Jesus is about ready to blow the walls down on this one. Okay, he says, so who, who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, a religious guy, a guy that went to church, gave him the offerings, prayed, sang songs, knew where to buy the best devotional book, knew, had some favorite preachers online. This priest goes down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, another religious person, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan. Uh, outcast in society, pretty much, if you were a Jew and you were going from Galilee uh, to Judea, you didn't go through Samaria, you went around it. Because Samaritans were mixed race of people, and they were neither Jew nor Gentile, kind of a combination and amalgamation. So if you were going from Galilee through Samaria to Judea, you would go around it. Samaritans were looked down on. So this guy is a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said to the one who showed mercy, and Jesus said to him, You go, and you do that. I'm sure the religious people had good reason, good excuses on why they couldn't help the wounded man that had been beaten and left half dead. But the religious people failed in their duty to love not just God, but to love their neighbor. And so for you and I, the call is to really love one another. Brene Brown said this, love is not something we give or get, it is something that we nurture and grow. Love is not something we give or get, it is something we nurture and grow. So loving one another is not a command, not an option, it is a commandment, a divine commandment given to us by Jesus himself to love one another. 
And as we embrace this divine calling, we can experience the transformative power of love in our lives and become agents of change in the world around us that is so desperate for genuine love and compassion. And let us remember the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And so may the love of Christ overflow from our heart and touch the lives of those around us, bring hope and healing and reconciliation to countless people. So I said this is not a sermon series that we can live in the row. We've got to put some uh, feet to this. And uh, just so happens I've been wrestling with for the last few days, how do we put feet to this? And then I think the Lord has revealed to me what that might look like. Um, one of the first people to uh, greet me when I returned back uh, from being away for a few months on sabbatical just a few weeks ago was a lady who's much the senior to myself. I did not know her. She uh, has been coming to our church for a while, but I hadn't had the opportunity to meet her, and she introduced herself to me in the midst of serving. She was actually serving when I met her. And uh, she's also in a small group in our church. And uh, she's in, involved in women's ministry. She serves here. Um, she's much the senior. My age, I don't know, women, hard to tell, but she's, you know, older. She's sweet. In fact, last week she stopped me and she said, Pastor, um, a tough situation with a job situation. Would you pray for me? And she said, I think maybe your prayers are heard more than mine. I'm like, mm, maybe not. But I'll pray for you. And so I found out this week about this sweet lady who attends our church and serves in our church that she had a family situation where her family took advantage of her one family member and said, hey, seeing as how you're getting older, let me kind of help you with your banking. So this dear sweet lady today is living in her car so this week we will come alongside of her we will not just give money we will come alongside and we will develop a plan and we'll put it together I made a few phone calls over the last 72 hours like to people that are coming alongside of her already her ministry leader a person who partners with her in serving and another staff member I'm like hey kind of what's the story find out more dig into it we're going to fix this we're going to try and solve this we're going to come alongside but her living in her car is not acceptable friend i'm telling you god forgive us if we would dare preach a sermon series on bearing one another's burdens and forgiving one another and love one another and let an older an elderly lady in our church live in her car so it's real simple uh at all of our services this weekend there'll be a bucket out on a table out there just a, like a gold bucket and if you uh, don't feel led to give or don't have the resources to give, I say this all the time. Don't worry, somebody else will get your back. Without question, somebody else will get your back. Don't worry about it, number one. Number two, if you only have a little bit of money, I'd participate, even if it's like a dollar, just to get in on this, because this is gonna be super cool. And then what I believe, because I know you guys, I, what I know will happen is, I'm pretty certain we'll, we will probably exceed the immediate need and every dollar that is given, though, will stay 100% in benevolence to help people throughout the rest of the year 
that have trouble with light bills and food bills and power and all those kind of things, water. We will help people with whatever you give because we, we bear responsibility to not just embrace the love of God, but to embody the love of God to others. And so I thought, Lord, maybe you even put this for us for a test to just see what we would do. And I'm like, yes, Lord. We will bear one another's burdens and we will love one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so if you, on the way out, you can write a check and just go to Parkview. All of it will go cash, whatever. You can actually, even if you need to do something during the week, you can do that. And there's zero pressure. Zero. But this will be a lot of fun to help an elderly lady get out of her car and have a home again. Let us pray. You know, Lord, I think about this exact scenario and um, I think the majority of our church, if gas is 319 or 389, it doesn't really matter. We don't even think about it. Eggs doubling price in a year, it's like, oh, that stinks, but we, it's no big deal. And we would be like the priest or Levite if we just walked by and left somebody hurting. So thank you for putting us in a place to where we would get to live out what we're preaching. Thank you for presenting an opportunity right under our nose, right in the midst of our church family, to where we could say, yeah, let's do something. And Lord, I know, like when I read and I thought, what, are, what, what one another am I going to preach? Love one another. Yeah, 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 I know that one. <laughs> but sometimes it's not always easy to love. In fact, there are probably those in here right now that have relationships where love is unfelt, untouched, unexperienced, and there is sadness and hurt and pain. Would you bring healing to their heart and help them to know that love is your essence, God? And may they know the love of God in both a profound and powerful way. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I would just remind you that our prayer partners will be down in our prayer area, down front right, after the service is over, to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray alongside of you. If there is any prayer need in your life, we would love to help share that burden with you. It is very meaningful to us to be able to come alongside of you and pray with you. And so please avail yourself to that down front right if you have a prayer need. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for loving us. Hey, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, before you go, would you just thank the Father for his love for you? Just thank him for his love for you. And we pray all these things in the mighty, powerful, all-loving name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen.